0: Hello you guys, it's Katie and welcome back to another episode of Crime and Crochet. In this week's episode, I'm going to be discussing the case of the Mixed Day family, who was a family of four who ended up going missing and then later their bodies were found. Now really quickly before we get into this case, I did just want to mention that I did miss two episodes. I was actually out of town and also had some health issues right before we went out of town was when I planned on pre-recording episodes. And I had my health problems instead, so I was at doctor's offices. But um, anyways, if y'all keep up on my Katie being creative stuff, then you know all of that, so I'm not going to get into it here. But um, yeah, with that, let's just get into this case. In 2010, the McStay family lived in Fallbrook, California, and they consisted of Joseph McStay, the father, who was 40, his wife, Summer, who was 43, and their sons, Joseph Jr., who was 3, and Gianni, who was 4. Now, Joseph, the father, owned and operated a company called... Earth Inspired Products, which was a company that designed fountains, and Summer, the mother, was a licensed real estate agent at the time. That was both of their careers. On the night of February 4th, 2010, at 7.47 p.m., a neighbor surveillance system captured just the bottom part of a vehicle, and that was believed to be the McStay's family vehicle. Now, In that recording, you could not see the occupants that were inside the car, but what is known next is that at 8.28 p.m., so less than an hour later, a call was placed from Joseph's phone to his business associate, who goes by the name Chase, but his name is actually Charles Merritt, and that call went to voicemail, and when he was interviewed later, he told police that he ignored that and the call went to voicemail because he was watching a movie. Now they also know that Joseph's phone did ping at a tower in Fallbrook, which is where they lived. Over the next several days, relatives of the mixed days tried to get in contact with the family, but all of those efforts were unsuccessful. And on February 13th, Joseph's brother, travels over to their house and finds an opening through the window and climbs through to gain entry into the home. Now, that is when he finds that the family is not there at all and their two dogs are just left in the backyard. Now, he doesn't report them missing until February 15th, which is obviously two days later, That seems suspicious to me, but I don't know. Maybe there's a reason for it. Maybe they left their dogs in the yard every time they went somewhere, and that's just what his brother thought, that they just weren't home. But when you haven't been able to get in contact with them since at least the 4th and it's now the 13th, almost 10 days, I would think that would be cause for concern to report them missing. But maybe that's just me. Anyways, he did end up reporting the missing to the San Diego County Sheriff's Department, which again was on February 15th, and that is when he told them that his brother and his brother's family were missing. Officers arrived at the home and requested a search warrant, which wasn't executed until February 19th, so another couple of days, and the search of the home found no evidence of a struggle or foul play. Now the only thing they did find that was a little suspicious was that there was food left out which obviously if you're planning on leaving your home for even more than like an hour or so I don't think you're going to leave food out. But they did find that there was two child sized bowls of popcorn set on the sofa as well as a carton of eggs that had been left on the counter. So especially the eggs you wouldn't leave out on the counter because they're going to go bad and popcorn will go stale. Especially if you're leaving for more than a couple of days since the family hasn't been, you know, able to get a hold of them in a couple of days. Then, you know, why would they have left the food out like that? So that is suspicious and it obviously does make investigators think that they left the home in sort of a rush, maybe. Something that also is a little weird to me and I really haven't seen any information on it. But why were there not any concerns raised from employers or daycares maybe? Obviously, the two boys, I don't think, went to actual school because they were three and four. But if their mother was a real estate agent and their father owned a business, I would assume they probably went to daycare and their parents worked. So why was there nobody reporting them missing when they didn't show up to work or didn't show up to drop off the kids to daycare that's all kind of unknown to me maybe I'm just looking in the wrong spots for that information but I haven't been able to find anything on it so I don't know unless maybe it was a time that they had planned vacation or something or it was normal for them to just take time off and not show up I have no idea but um Either way, that part does seem suspicious to me, just looking at this case. So, during the investigation, they did find the car and actually found that it was towed. So, between the dates of February 4th and February 8th, there's no known location of where the family car actually was. But, they learned that around 11pm on February 8th, the family car was towed from a strip mall parking lot near the Mexican border, and it was believed to have been parked there between five thirty and seven o'clock that evening. But again, they have no idea where the car was from February fourth to February eighth the day it was parked and left there so also another missing piece in this puzzle where was the car for that four days. Also, who put the car there? All of that kind of stuff. Okay, y'all. Now we're basically jumping forward three years, which I know seems crazy, but that's kind of how this case went, is they just disappeared with food inside their house that's left out, car found in a random parking lot after it was towed, like then no trace of them. And then their remains three years later. So on November eleventh of twenty thirteen, a motorcyclist found the remains of four humans buried in two shallow graves near the desert of Victorville, California. Now Patrick Mistay, Joseph's father, was informed and then two days later, The two sets of remains were officially identified as Joseph and Summer Day, and the deaths were ruled a homicide by the San Bernardino County authorities, who said that they believed the family died of blunt force trauma inside their home, but they did decline to discuss specifics of the death or a motive for the killings. So... The other two bodies, it just says, are believed to be the bodies of their children, so I'm not sure if they just maybe didn't do an autopsy because they were little kids type of thing. I'm not exactly sure, but um, either way, it's believed to be their children because they were right there with them. On November 4th of 2014, so almost exactly a year later after their bodies were discovered, Joseph's business partner, who goes by the name of Chase Moret, was linked to the case through DNA, and he was arrested for the four killings. So he actually owed Joseph McStay more than $42,000, so that obviously sets up a motive, and then his DNA was found on the steering wheel and gear shift of the McStay Family vehicle, which, like we discussed, was abandoned near the border of Mexico. There were also cell phone records, so I'm assuming his phone probably pinged on different towers in the area where the bodies were found, as well as in the area where the car was left at those specific times, as well as some forged checks, all link his business partner Chase to this crime. Now, Many years later, I don't know why it takes so long time to- sometimes for um, trials to happen, but the trial didn't start until January 7th of 2019, so like four years later, and the prosecutors were contesting that greed was the motive for the murders, and then on June 10th of 2019, He was found guilty of murdering the McStay family, and then January 21st of 2020 is when he's actually sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Joseph McStay, his business partner, and then he's sentenced to the death penalty for the murders of their two sons and his wife. So I don't know why it wasn't just the death penalty overall, but I honestly don't understand that much about it. Court cases, anyway, so maybe it was some sort of situation where it was like two different, like cases almost. Because he did have motive for killing Joseph, his business partner, but in a way, I guess he didn't really have motive to kill the family, like he could have just killed him and not the whole family. Which obviously, you shouldn't kill anybody in the first place, but I think the reason it's Death penalty for the wife and the kids is because you know they weren't involved in their whole uh owing money and all of that and like actually in the business and stuff. so I don't know either way, he got the death penalty for the wife and the two kids, and then the life sentence for the murder of his business partner, which overall he is on death row and probably will be for a long time he may even die on death row because it said he was 62 at the time of the trial so he's probably like 65 now or something like that so um yeah might even die on death row because sometimes it takes multiple years and multiple appeals and all of that for them to actually be put to death you know So, anyway, at this point, I'm just rambling, y'all. So, that is kind of all for this case, though. Of course, there's always a lot more detail I could go into, but for time's sake, that is it. So, let's get into today's crochet pattern. So, the crochet pattern feature for this week is the Darcy Cozy. So, the crochet pattern feature for this week is the Darcy Cozy koozie collection pattern which is by Jessica Lees Crochet on Instagram and on Etsy which Etsy is where you can find this pattern and it is a set of a couple of different patterns for different cup koozies. So these are made with medium 4 weight yarn and there's also modifications included for two strands of number three weight yarn held together if you'd also like to make these patterns using that and they are made with a lot of texture and detail so they're going to be super interesting and you know just more unique cup koozie patterns basically. So if you guys would like to check these out again that is Jessica Lee's crochet on etsy as well as on instagram so if you guys do just want one central location to go find everything you can find the sources i used in this episode the link for this crochet pattern the crochet pattern creators instagram all of that kind of stuff is always on my instagram at crime and crochet if you're interested in checking out everything in one place Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Crime and Crochet. I really hope you enjoyed. If you did, the best way you can help me out is to leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are currently listening on, as well as if you do want to see more from me, you can always check me out on all of my social medias. They are either at Crime and Crochet or at Crime and Crochet Podcast. Either way, you're going to see the same little logo that I have on the podcast, on all of my social medias as well, so if you see that, then you know you're in the right spot. As well as if y'all do want to see more crochet-related content and you didn't know, I am just at Katie Being Creative for all of my regular crochet content that doesn't involve true crime. So that is on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Etsy, Ribbler pretty much everywhere. I am just Katie being creative as all one word if you guys are interested in checking that out. And with all of that, again, thank you so much for listening and I will hopefully see you guys in next Sunday's episode of Crime and Crochet. And of course, as always, make sure y'all are staying safe out there so you don't become one of these victims we talk about every week. Bye (laughs) y'all!